1: I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay and I'd like to introduce today somebody who is a community leader. When we talk to people from the Eastern Bay of Plenty, all of them talk about how wonderful this person is and how important they are in terms of the community. So I'd like to introduce my friend and colleague, Moera Karatai.
0: Kia ora Sam.
1: How's it going in Whakatani today?
0: It's beautiful. The sun is shining already. The moon is still up. The trees are not moving. The birds are singing, and we got new chickens yesterday.
1: New chickens? What was wrong with the old chickens?
0: Oh, we've kept the old ones too, so we now have five George Clucks.
1: Up to George the fifth.
0: George the fifth, <laughs> and they're um, they they were rehomed from somebody else's house, and I think now the chickens have sort of got used to having visitors and not that there wasn't the war that there was when we introduced the the third george george the third
1: there's a reason why they call it the packing order
0: yeah and it's quite funny to see that playing out um so um the dominant george george the first we called her uh she um has lost her perch is the top george there's somebody new in town wow <laughs> so it's- it was quite interesting watching that all play out. Maybe she'll start laying now.
1: So, how has your bubble life been?
0: Um, about three days before lockdown, Jack and I moved into our own home. Uh, so, bubble life for us was, uh, I guess, about stretching out into a new space and... Um, sort of reassessing what does life look like for us going forward. Uh, At the same time as that, you and I started doing this. So this is, you know, what number am I? 135. 135 episodes ago, we started doing this, which I think has been one of the most valuable things I've ever participated in in my whole life. So it's been neat. Um, And also trying to um, get my doctorate work done trying to still be effective in the community and um and you know that day that Jacinda came on and you know that alarm went and said you are now in level four and Jacinda came on and said this is what we have to do I cried Sam and I didn't know what I was crying for because I didn't feel particularly sad and I wasn't angry and I wasn't afraid it it was Maybe it was a, a little bit of all of those things all at the same time. And I burst into tears and then I thought, you egg, what are you crying for? But it, um, and, I, and I pondered that a lot, that that was my emotional response was tears. <laughs> but um, but th- there didn't turn out to be anything to cry about. I mean, we lost, we lost people and that's sad. It's blimmin' sad that we've lost people through COVID. But we're in pretty blimmin' good shape. And I'm glad that I'm not anywhere else. I'm very glad to be here.
1: It does seem to be going in the wrong direction everywhere else.
0: Mm. And uh, I was reading in the news uh, from the weekend that um, Donald Trump supporters were gathering outside the hospital to call him with no masks on. So it's just come on, you know, the dude that you really likes in the hospital got COVID might die because he's old and he's sort of in COVID's favourite age group. Um, he's sick and you're still not listening.
1: Not only are we seem to be going in the right direction, I think that we've proven that we can get rid of it. it was twice.
0: Yes. yes, that's right. When we band together and um, good leadership. Um, good following of instructions, and the most important thing of all is I and I totally love that, that message about the team of five million. But if we look at that from a small community level, it's about looking after each other. My neighbors are older, um, so I would never do anything to put them at risk.
1: Do you think that team of five million is? A group of the communities. That's a, that's an interesting point. That it it is about the importance of the community. And and in this, one of the things that we've talked to people about is that community seems stronger, even though getting together as community was was the one thing we
0: couldn't do. Yeah, and and it's because we've got that united. You know, if you look at the whole history of us in this in the modern history like the last 100 years, wherever there is something for New Zealand to unite behind, we all get in there. Red Sox Day is a good example of that with the America's Cup. We, the, the tiny little country at the back end of nowhere, um, managed to go out and, and beat the world at the America's Cup on the smallest budget uh, because we all unite together and we, su- we support our fellow Kiwis and we just get this single-mindedness and we've always been like that. we always band together. we always support people who are in need. If there's a flood we're all there if there's a fire well we're all there. Um, and this is the same as that. so there's a thing that that makes us want to support each other. And I don't know if that happens everywhere because I haven't been other places really never been part of other communities around the world but I don't see it in the rest of the world the way that i see it here it's not
1: just a acting together because we must have something good to act on mm. if you think about the america's cup it's not just that the whole com- the whole community was behind the boat it was also a fast boat
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. so innovation as well
1: yeah and and the but- same thing the same thing here is that our approach was ver- is very much science led
0: oh 100% so why is that? Because I sometimes will look back and think we're not science enough. What do you think that is what? What do you think that is? Is it because religion doesn't have a strong hold in our community? We're know. less so, religious and more. I scientific? don't
1: understand. I don't understand how because some of the the best scientists I know are also religious. It does my head in <laughs> on the logic on that? But the. Um, But I wonder if it's uh, we're strongly educated and we do sort of believe in the, the power of the system. Yep. That's an interesting question.
0: But we're discerning as well. So we believe in the power of the system, but then we observe other systems and go, oh, no, that system's not good. That's not right. They're not doing the right thing. So we're not blindly led. As a nation, we're a nation of people who who challenge. We've seen that. Gosh, I mean, um, we see that all the time. And it's okay to uh, protest and it's okay to disagree here. And we've even seen it during this election cycle with the um, Billy Te Kahika's uh, band of Mary followers. Um, you know, they've gone out and broken all the rules and the police have, instead of, like, chucking them all in jail for breaking the distancing rules and, and trying to prevent them from doing it. What they did was they just tried to keep everybody safe and isolated from it. So there's, we, we've never been a country where it's not okay to speak your mind. And I think that...
1: So, so it, we can speak our mind without having to be obnoxious about it
0: yeah or afraid of doing it
1: yeah so so being critical isn't a is a, isn't an outside thing it's a thing which we are a, we are able to do perhaps
0: i reckon i think it's expected of us actually
1: and also i yeah. think the i think we might be using the cultural cringe to our advantage you're saying how we do look at systems around the world like we always we kind of had this this well, well, we know we can do stuff. We kind of think we can't possibly be doing it right, and so we're desperately looking at what everybody else is doing. Yeah, and, and maybe from that we are picking the the best things that other people are doing.
0: Ah, so that's that obnoxiousness. We don't we we never say oh we're right and everyone's wrong. As a country, that's not how we roll. Except for nuclear issues, we've been we were pretty you're, we're right and you're wrong about that and so on some things but then again that also comes back to the science it was well thought out it wasn't just a a paranoia or a or for silly frivolous reasons it was we're a small place and if there was some sort of nuclear incident here we'd all get wiped out end of our country
1: and in that case we didn't care what the rest of the world thought we were quite we're proud of it that the you know lean in closer i can smell the uranium on your breath moment is is like the the greatest moment in new zealand history not not necessarily because of the content although that was pretty cool too but the just the the fact that we were there on the world stage we do desperately want to be at that position
0: standing up against the man
1: or the virus in this case yeah Let's take the first of your music choices. I'm going to play "Glory Bound" by Martin Sexton. Why this one?
0: Um, it's just a song that gets my toe tapping, um, and I, I really enjoy Martin Sexton's music. He's not well known in New Zealand. Uh, he was introduced to me by a friend from Canada, and I just really love his music. And yeah, that song yeah it always gets my toe tapping. makes me it, it makes me remember that there's no point for regrets. You actually just need to keep on going, even when the, the car battery's flat and you've lost the last string on your guitar, you've just got to keep going.
2: Just like a jet plane in and out of sight Oh, I was hauling, ass at a million miles an hour Wondering how hard I hit When they came into the station they said I was bad beyond repair. But I got no qualms with my situation. Say, here I am. So, say, Cherie, Cherie, won't you dare to say, Cherie? message and your number please Tie them up all my old fantasy. Put them in a big red bow and send them care of me I'm taking my chance on oh. Lived out of a VW bus for a year or two Ain't nothing but a pipe dream in my guitar Living off of apple fields and old cigars Digging this microphone Checking it out every night on the loan Oh, the car battery's dead again, so I got my head dead set against it. Sing, sharee, 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 won't you dare to. say sheree, sheree, won't you dare to. Sing, sheree, 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 won't you dare to. Sing, sheree, sheree, sheree. a message and your number please take the time to wonder, satisfy me take all my own fantasies and send him care of me hey hey hey, hey. I'm taking a t-
1: Did you go kayaking at the weekend?
0: No, I went and picked my kayak up. Um, I, uh, and <laughs> I forget that I'm actually five foot one, and, re- and that's not very tall. <laughs> and, uh, I went and picked up my new kayak, and I thought it was the same length as my old one, but it's actually longer, and I can't do it. I can't put it on my car by myself, so I'm absolutely gutted. So I'm going to have to sell that one and buy another one.
1: Is, is there not a great. system including a, some sort of lever or something to get it onto the car roof?
0: Uh, it's four point. It's four and a half meters long. So it's just so long. And oh, yeah, actually, I could probably fashion something. I could make a frame, some sort of collapsible frame. So then I could slide it along, and then put it then up. you yes, just need you do. just
1: need to get the back of it on. You just need to get one yeah. end onto it, and then then push it along.
0: Yeah, and I had to buy a little stepladder because I, I I actually can't reach the top of my car and I didn't realise that. Well, I can reach the top of my car, but I can't reach the top of my roof racks. So I had to stop at Mitre 10 and buy a stepladder. <laughs> so, yeah, not my most well thought out plan, Sam, but I really want to go for a pedal because it's just so nice. I wish I was paddling today.
1: So you're getting to the business end of your doctorate, so I know what it's about, but other people don't. What are you doing?
0: Um, uh, I'm writing. Um, it's really cool. So I remember when I first talked to you about what we were going to do, we we talked about unconditional positive regards, which is um, an established model of practice in psychology from the 1960s. And it's a beautiful thing because it it encourages the practitioner to find something that they can identify with or relate to in their patient enables the patient to do the same and that becomes then their pathway forward like they, they've got a relationship based on this this thing that is um, that they recognize in each other that they like. Um, because if you have somebody who challenges your thoughts and feelings on things or well, they've done something that you find abhorrent or a, um you know or they remind you of somebody that you don't like how do you uh work with them at a theory level um oh sorry at a therapeutic level um and get past those feelings the negative feelings and so unconditional positive regard enables you to look at that person and and really um focus on the positive about them that thing that you can relate to and that you like so and that's I, I think that's beautiful, and so I wanted to look at how we can create a professional practice model, especially in community engagement, um, based on unconditional positive regard. And then at some point, you said to me, "So, what are the like? What are the main components of unconditional positive regard? What's it actually made from, made up from?" And I came down to two things. One of those is empathy, and the other is the ability to make choices. If you can't empathise, then how is it that you can be effective in any sort of community context? Um, and even how do you how do you operate as a practitioner in any uh, anything that has a wellbeing or welfare focus? If you can't empathise, um, and then and choice is probably the most important thing. Um, in a sense, empathy can be a choice. Um, people who who lack empathy can still choose to force themselves into trying to find something that they care about. Um, But um, choice has ended up becoming, I guess, the main focus of my work because it's the thing that I find the most complex. Choice is just such a complex, um, well, it's just a complex notion, really. And then you said to me, Mawera, what are the, what, what's, the, what's the link between choice and empathy? And um, after a while of thinking about that, I came up with imagination. If we never develop our imaginations as little kids, um, then how do we ever empathise and how do we ever make choices? And we end up in situations where life happens to us because we haven't got the ability to put ourselves into the future basic things like what are you going to do for a job requires you to have an imagination.
1: And the ability to, the ability to use that imagination to have a view of the future.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so, um, so I've come to the conclusion that while yes, we are born with some degree of imagination. I I do believe that, um, that we are born with some degree of imagination. It's, it's what happens to us when we're children to cultivate that imagination that determines what the rest of our lives will be like.
1: Also happens early.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think once once we've got kids in formal education, we start shaping them. So, for example, there's this um, quite neat study that's been done by, uh, by the government, which was a drawing project where they got kids who were about seven or eight years old to draw a picture of their future job. The problem is they then named, the kids were able to name I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a this, I'm going to be a that. They were already in the box. These and, and the world, their world, their adult world is not going to be like this one. Some of the jobs that they were coming up with won't exist anymore. So I think we missed an opportunity with that. Had we gone with a younger set of kids who weren't already able to label different roles that they could grow up to be, we might have got. We, we, what we should have done is taken five-year-olds and said, "Tell me what this job does," rather than putting a label on it. Um, yeah, the, I'd like to. I'd like to have the opportunity to redo that project. Yeah, but working with kids, uh, working with really little kids and letting their beautiful imaginations create the future instead of working with kids that are a bit older when all they did was in a, in a sense tell the study what the study wanted to hear does that make it, sense it,
1: it does it is a practice-based doctorate how do you describe your practice
0: um <laughs> there's this little meme that goes around on facebook uh, and it is this is uh, a little cartoon character with this massive plume of bright coloured streams going from their brain up into the world, and the the person next to them says, "Oh my God, what is that?" And the little character says, "Don't worry, it's just my brain." <laughs> <laughs> this huge plume, like a like a big ash cloud out of a volcano, but lots of colours and shapes, and um, that's my practice. <laughs> that's my practice. I can't define it, I don't know, and it's really hard for me to, to to really define it, but I guess I'm a practitioner of hope and imagination.
1: And you apply that in formal and informal settings. So you're,
0: yep. All life.
1: you're a trustee of the, what's it called, the Bay Trust?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and I sit on a board um, called the mamaku uh, Trust and we've just been given a um, $19 million grant from the government to run a ground control operation for pest control on the Kaumau Mamaku rangers and I sit as the independent iwi representative on that and do you know it's one of my favourite jobs um, it's really challenging because it's a really complex group of people that I sit with on that board but um, Taurangamwāna iwi is a really complicated space with over 30 iwi just in that one Taurangamwāna area and they collectively couldn't pick a representative to be on this board <laughs> because everybody wanted to have their representative on the board. It wasn't working and it was creating a lot of conflict. And somebody said, we just need someone who who, has, who does Papa Māori but doesn't have any Papa to hear. And somebody on that board sat with me on another board and said, oh, we could get Mawera because she's from the south and she can be our representative. And it's worked really well. And I quite enjoy that, and I like the way that they approach that. So they have representation, but they've eliminated all the conflict, and I've taken all the information, and they've enabled me to be their voice and to be the decision-maker at that board table, and I feel the burden of responsibility, but I have so much admiration for them for getting to that place because so many iwi don't. Everybody just wants their individual control, and, you know, we're talking before about, our willingness to do things for the greater good and that's what they did and I love that
1: let's take the second of your music choices let's have blowing in the wind let's go for the original let's have Bob Dylan
3: yay how many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man Is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind
0: Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Oracle, Didden's favorite goddess.
4: Tahu Mackenzie. Ka ra koutou namahi aroha nui all having stable stars in your beloved envy, and I really, really hope that you are, whatever is happening on this journey, we are all on together and to be very rewarding, very sustained, and illuminating for you each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature, perfect. You need here making think. So I've had a wonderful day and I'm very excited to talk to you all about it. It's so wonderful for me to have these five minutes with you each day. It's made a huge difference to me as we've moved through all these different levels of collective care from lockdown level 4, level 3, level 2, level 1, 2, level 2.5, level 2.5. Level... And I'm so grateful for the opportunity each day to really frame my experience in terms of what I hope can be helpful as a creative offering to you all. And I had a wonderful day today at my heart's home workplace, autopilot eco had the College of Education out. And it was wonderful for me to spend time, obviously, with this training teacher, but also to really engage in terms of what they care about, what they want to share, as to how I can offer my experience of the last 15 years of environmental education here in Autibotiste, I need it. Also bringing in a lot of my perspectives in terms of appreciating ourselves as a triumph of nature, as a species of animal, all the great skills that we have. Alongside me, I had my wonderful dream team, Superstar Taylor, who is a scientist is leading a lot of exciting research projects. So because they're going out there and teaching science, it's very exciting that we would share different perspectives. And for me, of course, science is love. Science is love for the world that surrounds us. And we are all innately scientists. It's that we observe the beauty of the world around us take it within, create framework from it, understand with it, a place in it more and more, every day. And something that I've been so grateful for today is that I've been able to resolve a lot of things that were unresolved for me for a long time, and I just feel hugely freed up. And this has taken me several years to resolve a lot of these things. But now that I've resolved them, I feel very happy, and I feel very relieved and at peace. And You know, there there are different ways of looking at these experiences that we have, and one way is to feel, you know, perhaps things could have unfolded differently, but actually I don't think that they can. I think things unfold in the way that they're meant to, and things unfold in a timely manner. And when we try to rush them, do things before we're ready, resolve things before we're ready to resolve them, we can't successfully resolve them. And... Actually, when we are ready, then we can, which is wonderful. And this is something I think that is very comforting in terms of thinking about each of our contributions to this process of collective co-evolution, that yes, we are constantly, whether consciously or unconsciously, everything we do is valuable, everything we do is adding to that process of learning and co-evolution. But also knowing that if we don't feel ready, that's fine and when we do feel ready we'll do what we need to do as I just have today so obviously really grateful to have this time with you and having this opportunity has helped me enormously I hope it can be of help to you and I hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening around lots of great opportunities today to be grateful for everything you've already achieved and feel very proud of where you're at and have so much look forward to and I'll look forward to talking to you
1: tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. So you've heard these questions lots of times, So I'm going to ask them of you as well. We've seen lots of changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick?
0: Hmm. I think that our country for a long time has been languishing without um real leadership and i think that the that jacinda has redefined for a lot of people what real leadership is um and given everybody an opportunity to hmm, i guess compare and contrast um that you don't have to be a hard-nosed person to be a leader you don't have to be a dictator you 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 can lead with kindness and you can lead with gentleness. And I, I think it's a long time since we've seen anything like that. I think actually maybe this is the first time we've ever seen anything like what we have in her. And not, and she's not just giving us that opportunity. She gives the world that opportunity. So I think she's redefining what leadership is. And I think that's really come out of COVID.
1: The rest of the world certainly is watching that.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Is it, is she, she leads in- with love. It's an interesting counterpoint to the, the other narrative, the, the Trump-type yeah. leadership.
0: It's funny. Um, he, he tweeted on the weekend, and he ended his tweet with love. And I actually had that, one of those eyebrow moments, you know, when your eyebrows go up <laughs> and you go, what? Your eyebrows go up. Um, it was, I had an eyebrow moment because um, I suddenly wondered if he knew what love was. I, it, I don't see that in his practice. I don't see it in his leadership. I see power and control above all things. I don't see love. And and I look at Jacinda and that's what I see from her and you know I really like that. The world needs a gentle hand at the moment. And, and if we applied that gentle hand to all of our other social problems, like then and, and we're well not well I guess I guess climate change is a social problem. In a sense, it affects us all as a, at a society level. It affects us at an individual level. It um, it comes down to our well-being in every respect. If we if we start to love our environment, maybe we'll start to see some positive environmental change. We don't love our Earth, Sam.
1: So is that what we can take from this for those other sorts of questions, the climate change and? social injustice that that message applies there
0: yeah i think so i think we actually have to start really honestly caring about things again we've shown that we can care about each other and that we can use that as the base for our decision making and our motivation for how we live so we need to extend that caring to the environment that we live in
1: I wonder if that is missing from the, the 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 elements of unconditional positive regard that you were talking about before, the empathy and ability to make choice and an imagination. Hmm. Is the care.
0: Yep. Do you think that care um, care also requires empathy and requires choice? Do you think that might be the next level up? That's the applied empathy and choice.
1: I wonder if it's at the same level in the little diagram that I just drew as imagination.
0: (laughs) Ah, but care requires empathy.
1: Yes, but does empathy do you have to care if you have empathy
0: no you you don't you
1: can walk a mile of someone's shoes but still not care
0: that's exactly right and you don't need to because they're a mile behind you
1: (laughs) without any shoes (laughs) let's go with the questions to end with so what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
0: Um, moving into my new home with my wee monkey, Jack, who's my most, Do oh, you know, if I think about what's the biggest success of my life, it's Jack. It's just this remarkable little human. He blows me away every single day of my life, but creating a home for he and I to live in and be happy in. And it's a, just a beautiful feeling to be here with him. That's my biggest success.
1: So what's your superpower?
0: I used to think that my superpower was my ability to listen. Um, I've had to redefine, I guess, that what it is. I've spent my whole life fighting people. And I that was from my influence of my dad my dad was he just scrapped everybody he would he was still going to the pub and having punch ups with people when he was 60 um because he did it his whole life and um and I just fought and fought and fought but I think that my superpower now is my ability to walk away from a fight um, because sometimes standing and fighting actually makes it worse there is always there's usually a better way sometimes i think we have no choice but to stand and fight that there's usually a better less destructive way
1: so in terms of my
0: superpower development
1: in terms of the model that you're talking about and i just drew it's that's about the choice isn't it
0: it is absolutely
1: but 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 also um, knowing that that's an option
0: and recognising um, recognizing that the feeling in myself, you know that know when to hold and when to fold him from Kenny Rogers? Um, it, it's knowing when to hold him and when to fold him. I've just suddenly cl- clued into that in my body where I get this funny feeling in my back, which I now understand is the polyvagal um nervous system, funny feeling in my back when my fight or flight response is kicking in and I now know that that should be my signal to stop and assess what's actually going on and do I need to actually stand here and fight this or should I walk away from it and um, and this is really new in the last couple of months for me and I'm extremely grateful for it and I wish I'd learned it 30 years ago it
1: would be easier but also recognising that some things you, you can better change by changing the system.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But sometimes standing with a megaphone and screaming into it, you must change, is not the answer to change. Yeah, so, um, so I'm learning that I've always been the one with the megaphone screaming, you must change. Yeah, and then people, so do you, people put on their earphones and they don't listen.
1: So do you consider yourself to be an activist?
0: The last time you asked me that, I said, no, I'm not an activist because I saw it having very negative connotations. And um, then I remember one of the people we listened to, Michelle Court, when we interviewed her, she said um, she quoted someone else, activism is the price that you um, pay. Oh, no, it's the rent you pay for living in this world. Um, and so, yes, I am absolutely unashamedly an activist. about what everything everything <laughs> I'm, an activist. I'm a zealot for every cause sam <laughs> um an activist i'm an activist for for change and for us all taking responsibility for what needs to change so that this planet has a future so that our great-grandchildren have got somewhere to live Water to drink, air to breathe. Although Otherwise, you say, what was the point of any of it?
1: Although you say every cause, I think if you use that, um, that thing you said before that that it's about love and caring at the at the yep. the core of everything, then it's not just every cause at random.
0: No, it's not. No, I I shouldn't I shouldn't joke around things like that. No, um, I guess I am an activist for. Supporting our community, supporting the members of our community for social justice. I'm a social justice warrior.
1: So what motivates you?
0: Being a social justice warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get the right things for the right people. I can't stand to see anything unfair. Motivated by fairness.
1: So practitioner of hope and imagination. No, the other way around. Social justice warrior. Practitioner of hope and imagination.
0: I need that on my business card, eh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you certainly need it on a thesis.
0: Yeah, I do indeed. <laughs> I wonder if we can put my thesis on a business card.
1: No, you need to write
0: that m- to
1: the panel. You need to write more than that. Yep. Unless you write really, really small. <laughs> so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years
0: um hmm, i guess i'm still trying to work out what comes after my doctorate uh, i've been seriously thinking about going um, and doing a 12 month um, immersion into Chile. Uh, that's becoming um increasingly important to me is uh, I see language as part of identity in a way that I never have in the past uh, I've got a pretty good grasp of English um, but I don't have a good grasp of spoken Māori language and that's not good, I understand it well enough but enough to get me by but I don't speak it and that's not good and I'd like my grandchildren one day to be able to speak Māori so that our language doesn't die, but um, in the last 12 months I've managed to recover from a really serious heart condition and I, for such a long time I thought that my life was going to be super short and I never sort of looked beyond the doctorate uh, and that would have been about the right timeline for the heart condition that I had, but um, by a bit of good luck and some clever doctoring and losing a bunch of weight. Um, I'm no longer under the care of a cardiac doctor, and and now I see my life is long. Um, so now I'm planning for my grandchildren, which is really cool. Since <laughs> so <was> Jack's ten, <laughs> David's gay, so probably not even gonna have any babies from him. He's thirty already, but but Jack's ten, and and um, you know, I I may see grandchildren now, and that's not something I ever thought I would be saying. So I'm I'm stoked. Mm.
1: So lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
0: Yes, find a way to love the planet and the people around you. Show some love to the planet. And um and when you see things that aren't right, women make a stand against it. Like if you're going down the river on a boat or something and you see that the Runoff run off from a dairy farm go and bang on the door of your regional council and say there's run off from a dairy farm going into the river don't just turn a blind eye or assume someone else has done it they probably haven't so all of this beautiful love and care we've shown each other through covid start moving some of that now towards this planet that we live on
1: so at this point in the show i normally say thank you very much and i throw over to my colleague mawera For a (laughs) summary. So, Mawera? Yes, Sam? Have you got an abstraction to summarise with?
0: Um, An abstraction to summarise with? No. No. Oh, that's hard, Sam. Have you got an abstraction to summarise with?
1: (gasps) I've really enjoyed this, and I think that everybody that is in the process of writing up their thesis should come and talk on a radio show, because I think that it's useful to narrow it down to single sentences.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, If you can't say it out loud and make it make sense, how are you going to make it make sense with 70,000 words on a book? A. Exactly. I think so. And I, I welcome feedback from people. I really love when people listen to me babbling on about things and then write and talk about it.
1: Right, we were going to go out to something that you wanted that's really long, so we're not. We're going to go out to Kenny Rogers with the Gambler.
5: <laughs> <On> a train <laughs> bound for nowhere. I met up with the gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us. And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle Never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Every gambler knows That the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away Knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner And every hand's a loser And the best that you can hope for Is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking He turned back toward the window Crushed out a cigarette Faded off to sleep And somewhere in the darkness The gambler he broke even But in his final words I found an ace that I could keep You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the deal is done. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to run, you never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the dealing's done, you got no when to hold up, No when to fold them, know when to walk away, no when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table.
1: You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, in their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and my guest today has been Wera Karatai in Fakatani. We've been meaning to do that for a while. We hope you enjoyed the show.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.